Hey everybody and welcome. So we have a special segment for you today that we're calling Kudu Confessions. So in addition to our regular cadence of awesome speakers, we're going to have shorter form conversations that focus on hot topics across PLG, MOFs, B2B growth, and basically everything in between. Uh, so that said, today's conversation will focus on the maturity ladder of product-led sales. And joining me in this conversation is MedCrew's own CEO, Sam Levin. Uh, please introduce yourself, Sam, for those who don't know you, and uh, give us a little bit of an intro. Sure, Sasha. Great to be here, and uh, it's going to be a fun conversation, as always, with you. Um, so on my end, very quickly, I'm the CEO and co-founder of Matt Kudu. I have a background in operations and uh, GTM, so I've worked with maybe hundreds of uh, software tech companies, uh, marketing operations, and CMOs, and uh, excited to share um, and have a conversation with, with you all today. Yeah, and uh, to, to carry us off, Sam, you brought up this you know hot topic in the space that you've been seeing about kind of the difference between what folks are talking about in the GTM side of things versus what they're actually implementing and doing. And I, I want to kind of allow there more under the context of this product-led sales motion, product-led sales kind of thought leadership of like, what's, what, what have you been seeing in the space? Yeah, that's, that's a bit of a pet peeve on, on, on that side because you know, a lot of people are talking about product-led growth and specifically mm -hmm. product-led sales. And it's a, it's a challenging motion to make work specifically because alignment is a challenge. And you know, like sales and marketing alignment, like for, for anyone with some white hair uh, in the room, uh, that's been going on for like more than 20 years, still not solved today. And we're talking about alignment between two organizations, sales and marketing. Product-led sales, I mean, as the, the name says, you have sales, you have product, you have marketing, now you often have data teams and CS teams. So it's an alignment that's a lot more complex. And, um, you know, not that long ago, I was in a call and it's pretty very like similar type of, of conversations where CMOs, the CMO I was, I was chatting with was describing some of the account-based bottom-up motion that uh, they, were, they, they were implementing, right, in, in the company. But the sales team that I was also in touch with was not really like, clear about you know, what they had today, where this was going, no, no real buy-in. So product is excited, marketing is trying to get things down, and the sales team is, is kind of behind, right? And specifically for operations, and specifically because today we're also like in, a, in, in, in a place to talk about marketing operations, marketing operation is kind of left in the middle where no clear direction of what to do and why uh, to, to do that. And then we end up like talking about technical things on operations. So the, 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 the opportunity here was how do we elevate the conversation? How do we create alignment? And working with, with our customers, I, I've seen a few that, that have been very good at creating that alignment from a marketing operation perspective. And, you know, I can name Peter Kirk from Lucid Chart. I can name uh, Gabriel Madeira for MongoDB where you had the type of leadership that created that alignment between, between teams. And the thing that they had in common was uh, being very clear as to where they are today in the organizations, where they want to be ultimately, but also what are the steps to get there? And that's where like this maturity ladder uh, came into place, where can we take that kind of best practice and you know, codify it a little bit, create a semantic and, and have it shared with our customers. And I know that from an ops perspective, we very much quickly as operators get into the how very quickly, right? We very much are used to 
you know, getting a request and trying to solve it and trying to execute on it quickly. And as folks want to move from this um, task taker mentality to the strategy and helping to define some of these motions around product-led growth, product-led sales, where do you see as the first start that ops can kind of help in this conversation? Right? Meaning leading the sphere for the executive team as we're thinking about some of these motions. Like what is that, that first energy that's needed from the ops perspective? Yeah, that's one is a, um, something I, I get a bit obsessed by on the change of the role of operations, right? And I know uh, we, we, we talked a little bit about that before, but that change from ops being mostly admin Admin to analyst, that's where, you know, uh, creating reports, forecast, attribution, but then analyst to architect, how do we put like different pieces of technologies together and architect now to becoming leaders. And the, uh, the thing that I, I really push for on the upside and a challenge I think ops teams uh, on is make sure you start with the alignment, with uh, getting momentum, getting the buy-in from the, the, from the other teams before getting into the how, uh, because I think that's a natural place to go. And I know like in operations, I've never met an operations team that has a ton of time on their hands, staffed like, you know, too many resources, <laughs> you know, looking for new projects to, to work on. That never happens, right? A lot of fires, reactive mode, but uh, sometimes you have to slow down to go faster. And I think that's where step number one, it's not about, you know, sometimes building something quick and small. It's really about what are we trying to achieve there? Where are we now? And what's a realistic next step that people are aligned on? And I think what we were talking about, um, you know, before this call as a, as a prep for this, we were really discussing about how even ourselves being in the space and talking to a lot of customers, like our own confessions that we're actually, we don't have this nail. Right, in our own processes and talking to you, Sam, like, I don't think we have it. We don't have it perfectly yet either, right? So part of what we wanted to do with this conversation is to share some of these stories and then share how folks can actually move across this. So, right, the how is important, but I think also what actions you're doing and how do you drive alignment? How do you connect all these pieces to kind of make it one big picture? Um, perhaps what I'll do is, uh, for everybody listening on the podcast, we'll, we'll kind of describe the product-led kind of maturity ladder, and uh, we'll also include it as a, the show notes afterwards. So what I'll do for everybody that's watching live, you'll see us kind of present the maturity model just as a framework to help talk about this. Um, so Sam, why don't you kick us off from the top, kind of describe each of these kind of maturity steps kind of at a high level for those kind of listening in and give us like a good idea of what what to expect from these levels. Yeah, and, and as you said, like then we're sharing kind of what we're using internally uh, with our customers and working with marketing operations team. So it's, uh, I think where we are right now and we're actively uh, developing it with, with, with marketing operations teams, but it's proved to be a, it's proven to be a, a great framework to, to start conversations and, and align different teams. And it has five levels, uh, level zero, uh, starting with zero because it's, it's uh, kind of starting with not having anything, is uh, having a product-led sales motion, but no product data in Salesforce whatsoever. And surprisingly, I think a lot of 
uh, the teams we talk to, uh, they, they are in this situation. Like they, they are starting a PL, PLS motion or they have one, but still like from a sales perspective, sales is treating productly the same way they treat MQLs. So very little context. That's level zero, zero data. Level one is uh, having some BI reports. Uh, so either in Looker, that can be Periscope, that can be Tableau, uh, where most of the product data resides in Snowflake uh, or in BigQuery or a Redshift, like a data warehouse. And often product team comes and say, oh, we want to do product-led sales. We already have a lot of dashboards and intelligence. Let's, let's just make that available to the sales team. And that's this level one. So the sales has access to some information about accounts, but that leads into a, a BI tool. That leads to level two where, uh, and we can talk about maybe some of the pros and cons of, of those different levels, but level two is really about now having the data available in Salesforce. Often it's just a few fields uh, that will basically aggregate data from a data warehouse on product usage and making it available uh, in Salesforce. So that could be number of active users in the past seven days, um, like the number of invites that have been sent or sometimes some engagement metrics uh, on, on an account or a, a person. So that's level two, uh, some data fields in Salesforce. Level three is where things get really interesting. Uh, and we, we, we call that like data-driven driven prioritization. Um, so that's now talking about actionability of the data. So it's about having the sellers use uh, the product data to prioritize which account to spend time on, when to reach out. And uh, at that level, finding out the right talk track uh, based on the persona. So really matching like the people in the account to the engagement that they have. So that, that's really that level three. And I think that's where like the real PLS, uh, you know, motion starts. There is a maturity level four. And to be very candid uh, in this call, we, I don't, I don't see anyone there yet, but it's great to have kind of an aspiration at where things can be and could be, which is really about what we call like data enlightenment, uh, enlightenment uh, where everyone in the organizations uh, from like the top, like CMOs, CEOs, VP sales, all the way to anyone uh, in the org, so the sellers, the customer facing teams are using data to drive uh, decisions and are using data to um, drive the, the type of engagement that they have with customers. So that's really like thinking beyond just like sales and marketing. It's really talking about CS, it's about forecasting, it's about KPIs uh, and that's that, that uh, sort of things. Yeah, and then Sam, I think as we were talking, when I put on my operator, marketing operations kind of hat, when I look at this maturity matrix and I think about as, a CMO or the executive team comes in and says, hey, we're going to be doing PLG, we're going to be embracing product-led sales or any of these other types of concepts that use product data. My first inclination is that, you know, and something that we kind of talked about and we challenged each other on a little bit here on, on the prep session was that from my view as an operator going, a lot of folks are in that zero stage where they have traditional inbound, hand raiser type of business models that are fairly successful. Um, but now as we move to the kind of PLG world, we're trying to look up and saying, where do I start, right? How do I, how do I grapple with this? And to me, my perspective, and I wanna get your take on it from what you've seen in the market as well, is moving from no product data to let's say level three, to me sounds like the ultimate goal. To me, if 
just having product in a data warehouse, having product data available to you, right? As some other team like product or engineering isn't very helpful from an operation standpoint where operators are typically abide by go to market and actually moving the business forward in that respect, right? To me, just having the presence of something isn't a completion. It's just like a checkbox. Like, oh, great, we have it, but we're not using it. So it might as well not exist. What's your, what's your take on that? Like, should, how should folks be thinking about the journey between some of these stages? Yeah, yeah, I think there is a lot to unpack uh, in that question. And <laughs> we, um, it's, it's interesting. I think there are a few patterns though, and every organization is different. So I think I'll share like maybe a few, uh, a few stories and observations, but as you said, I think a lot of conversations and that's I think what CEOs want, that's what you know, uh, everybody's talking about uh, out there, which is mostly level three, right? Like we, everybody should have like PQL, PQAs, um, having some information about uh, what the right person is. And that I think is, is core and that's, that, that's where uh, it needs to happen. But I see maybe two pitfalls. Um, one is when you said you're starting from zero and where do you want to go? Some, I think the pitfalls, number one is not being ambitious enough and having, basically believing that level one, the BI reports is a good step to go through. I've seen too many times like product teams saying, oh, don't worry, we can start a PLS. We have Periscope where we have those, those Tableau reports. I don't know a single company that actually had that stage work. So it was a, a bit of a waste of time because it it cost a lot of time and energy and like buy-in to get a sales team to adopt. So you train them on something that is not gonna work. It's, it's just like a killer on the momentum around the PLS. So one opinion, at least on, on my end, that I would have is skip the level one. Uh, uh, that's not a level that, 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 that's gonna help your organization and it's gonna be hard on the, on the ops teams. That's maybe opinion number, number one. Opinion number two uh, is, go to num to level two uh, before you go to level three. And uh, that one is specifically because number three uh, will take some time, even in change management. And level two is a good way to introduce a sales team uh, to that motion and start working out like that alignment within the teams. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for those folks that are, find themselves perhaps at level one, you know, where they have some reports in BI or in other tools, right? Like your lookers, your tableaus. How should they think about moving up to level two or even level three? Like what's, what's the next step from your perspective? Because as an operator, you know, again, getting this difference between the how and getting to the strategy, to me, it's ops kind of has to be that sphere at the end of the day, right? It has to be that, uh, I have an informed opinion around some of the systems, our data processes, our data governance, and I have a way to help the business understand this. So where are you seeing the kind of communication divide between the product teams or the executive teams, some other department or party saying, ah, well, we have, we have product data, we have, we're doing POG, when in reality, you're at looking at just reports, you're not actually using it from the go-to-market side, where, you know, how can an operator fit into that to bridge some of that gap, to help executives kind of grapple with this issue without going too much into the details of uh, data warehouse and CRM and all these kind of other, uh, you know, abstract concepts, if you will. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I, I love, I think some of the participants uh, in the MOPS confessions, I think many of the conversations are around the um, soft skills, 
and around documenting the why of doing things and you know talking to executive talking about revenue and the why i think is really where there need to be a lot of clarity and that's where most of the conversation happens um, and specifically i think in a pls motion the putting sales at the center uh, is is probably core so getting that conversation with sales i know it's it's always a challenge even like a, within a regular inbound or or abm motion but pls is even more important to have sales in this conversation to see what are the limitations and some of the challenges that sales is having what do they want to do that they cannot do today and driving that conversation from there. So even on the level one, going back to a product organization and say, hey, here is what we're trying to achieve there. Uh, is you know, What's the best solution and the fastest way to, to achieve that business outcome that we're looking for? Not getting too stuck on the, uh, on the analytics and sometimes I think on some of the you know, conversion rate and lift. I think a lot of, of conversation in ops is about those kind of things and or let's A-B test and, and test different things often like a crawl, walk, run, that conversation will come. But right now, make sure sales is adopting and then you optimize sales once once they have adopted. Uh, optimizing something that sales hasn't op- uh, no, adopted yet is just a waste of time for everybody. Yeah, so maybe, I guess what I've observed from talking to a lot of our PLG customers, being in a lot of these positions myself as an operator is that the role of operations seems to have changed from simply just putting in puzzle pieces together from a like data and process standpoint, like from a tech stack management perspective, and it was really moved to a um, almost, uh, I can almost say as like an analogy as like a translator, right? It seems like yeah. the best analogy that I can think of is that you're really trying to understand the why and the, some of the frameworks or some of the ways to do that is to, I like to say like ask why five times, right? You know, I, I have seen many times in my own career ah, well, how is marketing doing? Or how are we tracking against our you know, product-led sales initiative, for example? And you want to kind of get down to the why of what we're doing, what's the initiative, and what's the actual purpose? Because you know, getting back to kind of some of these levels, that first moment where sales is actually able to see active users or some level of metric that connects product signals to the go-to-market motion, I think is the first actual real step for operations folks, as opposed to this kind of intermediary where you have reports, somebody else has to go outside their flow. And you know, I've talked to a few sellers as well on the sales side, and I've seen so much friction to try to get adoption for something when it's not streamlined, right? Like we have to, we as operators have to be honest about the implementation of technology when it's not aligned with the actual goal we're trying to achieve. Um, do you see anything else? Like, do you see a lot of companies in the kind of the maturity level two where they have some start, but they haven't fully nailed it? Do you see a lot of companies in three? As we mentioned, four is kind of more ambitious, but Sam, what have you seen kind of from the space itself as a whole, where a lot of, you know, a lot of folks are today? Like, where, where can people get a, a gauge, like a barometer, if you will? Yeah, 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 and that's that's you know we'll uh, we'll have more follow up conversation and data on, on that one. But I would say a lot of folks are still at maturity level zero, and you know a lot of board meetings and you know uh, talking to CEOs and investors. I think I think a lot of companies are trying to figure out how to build that product led sales uh, motion. 
either because they, you know, they, they had a top down before and now they're trying to figure out that bottom up. And, you know, there are some fantastic uh, opportunities there, but also a lot of sales serve companies that, you know, did a great, that had a great business model. Like, and I can share a few examples of with Dropbox, for example, like, you know, uh, and Doxen like had a, a great um, sales serve, but the, the bottom up, I think, is a challenge. So they go from, you know, a lot of people are in level zero there. Um, the next level, I think, is level two. Level one, I think people go there for a little bit of time and, as mentioned, waste of time. So not many companies stay at level one. They either, like, I mean, they move, they move up. And level two, I think, is where many folks are stuck at. And that's maybe one thing where, you know, if you have more than 50 people in your company, I think it's, it's and you have a PLS motion, that's not fair to the sales team and it's not good for the business uh, outcome of the company to remain at level two. I mean, it's not acceptable. And I've seen like um, opinion around, hey, like PQLs are dead or PQAs are dead. I mean, they, they are barely like coming up and they're already dead. Like the MQLs were dead before. <laughs> and like you know, every year someone says, some, you know, email is dead. Uh, but no, it's, it's very critical to, um, to, to go beyond, like I think sales efficiency, have, you know, finding the right moment to engage with an account, it's, it's never going to be perfect, right? There is a motto that says, you know, every model is wrong. Some are useful. Uh, and that's pretty much like the pragmatic aspect that I think operations teams can bring is we have data. There are good moments to engage customers and sometimes, you know, not so good, but we can get a sense of what it is. And they are clearly a different personas. So being very pragmatic around going from level two and level three, cooperating with sales and not being complacent uh, about about where where people stand. So I think that's that's where I would say market-wise, a lot of people in level zero, a lot of people talking about level three, but most of them being at level two right now. Yeah, and if you if you mind, Sam, that we like briefly kind of move the conversation to. If you're at a level two, how do you get started in that world, right? So to me, from my perspective, you want to get, I mean, to me, it really starts at looking at the pricing page and your go-to-market, right? Understanding of how does somebody move through the value journey and obviously how does it relate to your revenue aspects of your business? And for me, level two, from kind of that opsat and for what I've seen from a lot of our customers do is to get something out, right? Something around active usage, right? Whether it's active users in a certain time frame, whether it's an ability to count high value like admin events or collaborative events. It was just basically some top level signals that we've seen kind of across the board with a lot of PLG customers where it just makes sense, right? Where you have a usage-based model and you want to add additional users or add additional usage. Well, that top level metric should be something that sales has access to in a very easy, digestible signal. Do you kind of agree with that sentiment, Sam? Yeah, that, I, I think I overall agree. I would challenge a bit like even the, the behavioral side first, like what are the signals on when an account is ready to even start you know, from two to three to the simplest thing around which account are a good fit for like an upsell and enterprise and for the sales team. And also, what are the people and the toll track for those people inside? This is often a very easy win, very actionable for sales. And um, I can share, I think, a few stories around 
you know, the accounts uh, that are being sent to sales are sometimes cannibalizing uh, some of the sales serves. So now you start having those frictions and sales, they need to make the quota. So if the ACV is not good enough, I think there is a challenge there. So something as simple as which, you know, how do you route leads and accounts to sales server versus like sales assist or uh, a, a more bottom-up and enterprise? And also like who in the, you know, in the account is the right person, the buyer, the user, those requires very different uh, engagement from the sales team. It's very practical, right? The, the email that you're going to send, you cannot send the same email to a user versus a buyer. Uh, and that does not even require uh, behavioral data uh, as much. And that's something that has a practical impact right away. So a nuance there, uh, I would start with, with that. And uh, uh, that's, that's, I've seen a few like good, good uh, success story there and then move then from, okay, we have like number of active users. How do we go to something that is actually relevant to the buyer's journey, which totally agree, I think on that, on that level. And so Sam, as we think about folks moving up between the different levels and kind of the go-to-market strategy, who should be the owners of driving some of these changes? So we've talked about naturally, naturally our audience kind of skews on the more on the ops side, of, of course. But what you know, what other players, as we mentioned in the original world of sales and marketing, it's pretty clear, you know, who are the folks that should be probably mm -hmm. in the room, right? There's a few teams, right? That's that's typically level zero. As we start moving to kind of perhaps moving from level two to level three, how does that change? Give us kind of a, a stance from there. Yeah, and I think it's a mess out there, to be very candid. Uh, I think uh, you see like strong opinions all over the place about, you know, products should own the product-led growth and maybe product-led sales, which, which I think is quite a stretch knowing the DNA you know, of many product teams. Some people say, no, you know, the, it's okay to start with marketing and then move to product later. So I think everybody's trying to figure it out and maybe like every company is different. So I don't think... At least that I'm not seeing a strong, I think, uh, consensus, even with our customers, with opinions and, and even like what's, you know, is there a recipe that works all the time? So I think thinking first principle is probably best there. From an operations perspective, though, I mean, very focusing on operations. You know, there is, a, in, in my life, I always have the, you know, what I control, what I can influence mm -hmm. and what I care about, but I have no influence or control, right? And I think that helps pretty good uh, in the house, in my home, but also at work, right? And in operations, there are things you have 100% of control and that's, you know, need to do a perfect uh, job at it. But there are a lot of things you have influence and some of it you don't control. The influence part, I think, is where I think the, that maturity ladder can help is making sure there is alignment with at least the CMO or like the, the leaders in the organization around where do we want to go? And if we don't have a clear where, and I know I get in quite a few calls where I say, so where do we want to go? What are the objectives? Why are we doing it? And it's not very clear. And if I ask three people, three people have different you know, uh, stories to share, right? So as an ops, I think there is 100% control of asking the questions, hey, where do we want to go by when? And then ops has, I think, the control of saying the, the steps to get there, the how, right? And um, I think that level of conversation with a clear where and why, first as a question, as an influence, uh, and then the, the how and the plans to, to do that uh, is, is within, within ops. Yeah, I guess the way I think about it is almost the feedback loops that you could draw out, right? So if you start with no product data, as we mentioned at the top of this session, is that really the 
major feedback loops so is kind of between marketing and sales, right? Mm -hmm. Determining quality, actually moving the business forward from a revenue perspective and a pipeline perspective, right? So you think about kind of two entities and there's a feedback loop kind of in between those two. Right? That's where you start off one. I'll say, I'll kind of jump to, let's say the level two and then perhaps the level three and beyond. At the level two, we're really introducing this notion of now product is really kind of in the mix, right? So you have some go-to-market motion, a go team, a marketing team, right? However you want to structure it. You have the kind of the sellers doing the, the facilitation of like buyer journeys and actually getting customers into the funnel. Now you have this new department that you need kind of product, right? Because if your product roadmap stalls out or you're not tracking the right things from these two constituencies, then your feedback loop is, is kind of broken, right? It's, it's starting to kind of become a feedback loop from product, what's on the roadmap, what customers are seeing from a friction point from the buyer journey, and then kind of all across kind of moving that down. And as, as you move from two to three, it really starts to bring in kind of, you see more of the executive kind of finance suites starting to kind of come in from the feedback loops. You start seeing CS really start kind of coming in from the post-sales process from an upsell perspective. So as you think about moving to a PLS motion where not only have you landed the customer, but now you want to upsell them to higher, like higher tiered plans, right? More enterprise plans, more licenses and so forth. There's more parties that are involved than just sales in, in its totality. And then as you get to kind of level four, my perspective would be that really it's, it's you have many feedback loops and you have feedback loops across almost every team in your business. Right, so every business now is thinking about, from a finance perspective, how do I properly forecast and how do I properly set the right expectations you know, externally to your board, to your CEO, whoever it is, and then coming back down to the go-to-market, how do I better sell, how do I better position, and using kind of data throughout all of that to understand where buyers are having friction points and where your go-to-market basically needs accelerators. Do you, do you kind of agree, Sam, with that notion? Any other kind of insight there? No, very, I think a line. I think there's still like, that's kind of the, uh, the, the best blueprint and I think a, a way to think about it. In practice, I think it's, it's, it's a challenge today. So it'd be uh, very curious, I think, to learn more on that one. But I, yeah, that's, that's very interesting what you said. And then, you know, coming back to this kind of three, closing out a little bit of this conversation where this goal is. So if a lot of folks are in this two phase where they've made that first jump, they're past that phase of, I have no product data. How do you think about pairing, you know, the traditional segmentation strategies around like firmographic, demographic, and the kind of the behavioral of your product, right? Right, we're getting a little bit into the how, but I guess yeah, yeah. For, folks, for folks trying to think about this, right, you think about this is a great framework. I've done some of this groundwork, some of this aligning. Now, as an ops person, what do I do next? How do I, how do I actually take some of the insights I'm getting from product data, some of the signals, some of the signals that I get from sellers and the go-to-market motion? How do I combine those in a meaningful way? So, you know, folks might think about this like uh, tactics or playbooks for sales. How do how does how should sales be thinking about this? Yeah, let's let's uh, yeah let's talk about I think the how that's that's also important not to to always be too conceptual. And Remco, I think on the chat also had a great question uh, on how does we create potential talk tracks for sales? Like how does it work uh, when in level three? 
uh, one, do the risk not to come across as creepy or privacy impacting? So that's a great question there. I think a lot of folks are, are wondering as well. Uh, that can link as well on the fit and the behavioral where it's interesting that you're sharing it that way because Sasha, even on that one, you sound a bit like an ops and not so much like as a salesperson, if, uh, if, uh, if you allow me. Um, I think on the conversation maybe of Remco and, and, and going back to, to you, Sasha, uh, having someone in sales, like a partner, uh, a co-development uh, partner in sales, I think is critical, whoever that can be. Often it's a head of SDRs, like that's, uh, you know, they, that's a good place to start. They, you know, they have very strong goals. They're very smart, sharp. They can move fast and be agile. So I think that's my recommendation is to find that partner on the sales side that you can experiment, that you can uh, work with. And then really starting from the seller's perspective and the customer journey. I think that's where like the fit or the behaviors, that's, you know, it's, it's a tool to help be relevant and to add value in that customer journey. And for the talk track, I think specifically for Remco, I've seen, I think too many times we look at the data that we have, we look at what segment we can create. So that's why people are often thinking, okay, it's industry, job title, geography, right? That's typical things that everybody's working on because the data is so available. Instead of thinking, wait, what are some of the pain points some specific group of people have? Where are they in their journey, right? And now like based on the data that we have, how, how can we try to find a proxy of that persona, of that uh, pain point? And so that's, I would say, really starting from the sales and finding the bridge between the data uh, and that. Um, so that's, that's, I think, on the, the how. And specifically, I think there are a few, a few examples we could share. I'm not sure if we have the time today. It's almost a full session on what are some of the talk track and data segments that have been created there. Um, on the privacy side, I think it's, it's, it's an interesting question. I think different markets have different expectations. I think developers, for example, can be a lot more touchy and, you know, they, they will ask, Hey, how do you know that? Oh, you're using product usage, right? To, to that, but there've been some smart ways of doing it. So I can uh, name for example, code ship where it was, Oh, I've seen the number of builds that you've created have failed like seven times in a row. So I'm assuming like I'm getting a, a, an alert. I'm assuming you have some challenges. Do you want to have a conversation? So that was a playbook around creating value, not just using data to say, hey, I want a sales conversation. It's starting the conversation with uh, adding value. And quite a few stories like that, where as long as I think the market is, is, is kind of um, more or less like sensitive to it and finding a way to create value. Yeah, and uh, I'll kind of wrap us, wrap us up here. Thinking about that, it's about intention, right? Hmm. Data is creepy when it's, it seems like it's coming from a bad place of like, ah, you know too much about me. But if it's coming from a place of, I see you having a friction point, let me see if I can unblock you or let me see if I can get you more value from it. Most folks that I've observed going through a lot of kind of PLG motions or going through a lot of products are usually pretty welcome. Like I am usually pretty welcome in my own journey as a consumer. When I fall into a friction point, if somebody helps me unblock that, well, that's, that's to me is a positive, it's a delight type of activity, right? I'm much more happy or willing to, if somebody, if I go into a grocery store and I can't find the one juice or the cereal box that I'm looking for, and someone says, oh, it's right here. And I'm like, oh, great. And then I can go on with my purchase and, and doing my, the rest of my journey. But it's that, that's that single moment of friction that I think a lot of product users and a lot of buyers get stuck on. It's like, ah, I, 
this doesn't work, this doesn't work for me, how do I continue? But if there was a kind of like a helping hand there, right, from your business side, however that is, right, it might be from your product, it might be from a seller, those are really great opportunities to create a kind of positive momentum, turning a friction point into hopefully a positive or catalytic event. Classic uh, so, one. Oh man, I have, I have, yeah, maybe, <laughs> I have twenty. Yeah, two minutes. Sure, go ahead, Sam. I think All we right, can close yeah. out. Um, last, last example for folks on the call. <laughs> I just wanted to do a shout out for I think the outreach from Lucid Chart, for example, where the type I think of specific campaign that that's I think has been very positive is getting an email. So I get an email saying, hey. You have like maybe 30 or 30 people having a Lucid Chart account, kind of an independent basis. It's often a mess uh, in terms of like bidding and expenses. And, you know, there would be some, we offer some plans that make that uh, bidding management easier. And I think that's pretty smart because it solves the problem of the buyer, not of the user. Not, not telling me about how great Lucid Chart is. And uh, the trigger is clear. It's using that data. And yes, they, they, they get people to upgrade. So uh, that's the type of email, for example, I found pretty smart. Awesome. Well, thank you, Sam. So we're going to be closing out the session. If uh, folks have more questions or want more specific topics, we're going to be trying to segment out kind of in future MOPS confession series. So feel free to let us know, drop a note or a LinkedIn share uh, of any questions you have on the topic. We'll, we'll also send out a, uh, a recap afterwards. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.